Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. You made it. Happy Friday. Pat yourself on the, uh, on, the, on the back a little bit there. You made it through a work week. First week of spring 2023. And your award is, well, spring. But also sports. Hopefully other things, but we can't promise you anything but sports. So that's what we'll do right now. I'm Sean Drotari, Sandy Clough. And as we go into uh, an interesting weekend uh, with a lot of the teams. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And we'll get to all of it. Of course, we have the Avs. Uh, Coming up tonight, we have the the Nuggets with a big game against the Bucks this weekend. We have uh, the CU women tonight taking on Iowa in the Sweet 16. Of course, we have the Sweet 16 itself. Uh, and the Broncos are, at this point, still at the situation with the wide receiver is evolving. And some of it is in their control and some of it is not. We'll tackle all that every team every day like we usually do. You can always check us out, by the way on MyLifeSports.com slash listen or slash watch if you're Is that so our inclined. official motto? Is that been uh, every team every officially day. sanctioned? Yes. Officially, the powers that officially be. sanctioned. Yeah, that, that is, that's what we're going to do. Every team, every day, that's what we do right here at My Life Sports, and we'll have an opportunity uh, to get in depth on the Nuggets later in the program as Ryan Blackburn uh, from My Life Sports and the man who runs Pick, Axe, and Roll, the terrific, terrific, very detailed podcast. Looking forward to have Ryan on talking about the big game against the Bucks and the one even after that with the Sixers. But we turn our attention to the Avs. Good news, Sandy, like as in really, really good news. Earlier today, skating on the power play one line, presumably as we continue to see this uh, going along, Kale McCarr back in action for the Avs. They did not have him last night. Against the Penguins, sounds like maybe that was just uh, uh, two nights ago or two nights ago. Sorry, yes, yeah, so against the uh, against. I saw the Penguins again last night. They weren't quite as good. Although you know what, they they made it a three two game in the mm-hmm. third period. Good for them. Dallas ends up winning three two in regulation. But uh, I think uh, in the final seconds, it was a six on four situation. They were on the power play, pulled the goaltender at six on four, uh, which uh, they were unable to convert on. But they were certainly. Uh, competitive last night, and uh, the Philadelphia Flyers helped out by uh, knocking off the Wild in overtime. Now, Minnesota still gets a point, but now with two games in hand, the Avs are only three points behind the Wild. Mm -hmm. They have that head-to-head game with Minnesota, of course, coming up. And uh, if they don't finish first, finishing second with home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs is not a bad consolation. No, no. What you don't really want to finish, especially with these division rivals, is third, preferably. That's what you don't want to do. And they're trying to find a way to get out of that. They will take on the Arizona Coyotes uh, tonight. Yeah. The Coyotes and the Avs will find themselves in a, uh, a situation where they, they play back-to-back, but they play in separate towns. So uh, they'll, they'll play here, and then the next game will be in Arizona. Uh, you have to get these both, I think, because even though the Coyotes are much better at home, this is a bad team. Uh that they're well under 500. They are trending in the right direction. If you were to look at futures, you know, a couple years down the road, but as of right now, it's not a good team. They're playing out the string. The Avs need to finish them off. They should have Kale McCarr back. And it looks like Eric Johnson adding some physicality to that blue line. What we've talked about for the Avs has been the challenge of late is still not scoring. Despite all the people that they're missing, it's not scoring punch. That's been the issue. It's been, being able yeah. to, to keep guys out of those high danger areas because as game as, as Sam Gerard actually has been, we called him out 
uh, for some pretty good play, but he's just not the kind of guy that's going to muscle people out of the You read the, the slot. Peter Baugh's piece, by the way, and we'll mm-hmm. get back to the subject at hand in a moment, but with respect to Sam Gerrard, um, he was using kind of a twig uh, earlier uh, this year and throughout his career previously, and they suggested, uh, a few of his teammates did, I suppose, and uh, maybe a coach or two, uh, that he tried a longer stick. And he tried one that was slightly longer at first, and then he decided to try one that was a little longer still, and he's played a lot better. He's gotten his confidence back, uh, at least on, on the offensive side. And I, I've always thought that since Manson arrived last year, you could have Taves and McCarr, of course, yeah. Manson with Byram, and then Eric Johnson with Gerard, and so there isn't as much pressure on Gerard to defend playing on that third tandem with Eric Johnson. Of course, Gerard was out for most of the playoffs last year. I thought the Avalanche missed him. Now, he didn't have his greatest year last year. He got off to a very slow start this year, but seems to have picked up largely uh, over the last three or four months. He was not great the other night, but uh, he and Taves were together, and that doesn't seem to be a tandem that works as well, no. especially from a defensive point of view. So that the great news is that McCarr is uh, coming back, and the amazing news is that the Avalanche record, uh, although you wouldn't have known it from watching the game the other night, has actually been pretty good this year without Kale McCarr in the lineup. They have, but uh, obviously you want Kale McCarr back. <laughs> so, I mean, you have now the opportunity to have McCarr back. Uh, Eric Johnson adding some physicality there. It feels like at that point you're getting close to bringing back a, a more complete unit of blue liners that now can also add a little bit of physicality as well as speed, jump into the play, a little bit of everything, even though uh, you know Eric Johnson obviously more of a defender, but can bring a heavy shot from, from the back end. So there's... A lot to like. Now, obviously, you know, you may be looking at it through your fingers tonight a little bit, hoping that, that nothing happens. But for the Avs, we've talked about this. This team is good enough to win the Stanley Cup. What is stopping it right now from being the favorite besides perhaps Boston is health. And as they're starting to maybe return to health, uh, you know, knock on whatever uh, wood grain might be near you and see that the Avs stay in one piece. Now, I believe we're one week away or maybe eight days away from having Manson's status checked mm-hmm. and a possibility, not necessarily a probability, but a possibility that Manson could get in a few games before the playoffs begin. Uh, if you assume that it will take a uh, week, 10 days at least uh, for Manson, once he's cleared to be game ready. And then maybe, maybe just maybe when the playoffs begin, Gabriel Landeskog is able to come back as well. But uh, Manson's the key guy. Uh, they're still missing. And uh, my good, Eric Johnson's always been one of my favorite people in Denver sports because uh, he was here for the battle days. He was here uh, when the Avalanche seemed to have turned it around and Patrick Waugh's first year, which is also Joe Sackick's first year's lead executive. And then they fell off to unimaginable depths of despair, right. uh, culminated by the 16-17 season in which they went 22-56-4. So 
He was down when he got here, or at least the team was, up for a year when the team led the conference in points and blew all kinds of home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, and they lost a seven-game series to the Minnesota Wild, and then sinking down in 17 to the 48-point level before bouncing back and being in the playoffs every year since and part of a Stanley Cup champion team last year. But he must be a remarkably fast healer because he has not missed all that much time with a broken ankle. And he is going to get back before Manson gets back, before Landeskog gets back. And I figure when he got hurt with a broken ankle, when was it? About five weeks, six weeks back? Early February? Certainly. Uh, It seems like that would have I figured he'd be the last of those guys to come back. And he's one of the first of those guys to come back. So that part is exciting. The Avs get healthier, as you're right. You know, uh, Josh Manson still, they could use him back. But at the same time, give uh, Jack Johnson some credit, who I think has filled in admirably. The, I, I think, think he's played well. I think yeah. getting those two guys back, a combination of Jack Johnson, Brad Hunt, Curtis McDermott, I think you can make do without Manson. It, it's not as good as having him, of course, but you can make do. So I think if you have this this reassembled blue line with some combination there, I feel that that's enough to really mount a serious push at the end of the season. And if you can get uh, a couple of guys, you know, healthier, playing healthier, feeling more comfortable, I really like the opportunity for the Avs here. And especially when you're looking at the, the this remaining schedule for the Avs, especially in the next couple of games. As we talked about, you have uh, the Coyotes tonight. You'll have them in Denver. And then after that, you get the Coyotes again. Uh, but this time you will get them where they're a little more comfortable at home. But again, this is still a bad team playing out the string. And then you take on Anaheim, who's already been eliminated. And I, I apologize. I think I said they're road back to uh, road back to back for the Avs. That's not actually the case. They get a day off. Uh, they play tonight. There's a travel day. And then they play Arizona on Sunday. Well, the back to back will be Anaheim. Anaheim right? the so next Sunday night. and Anaheim. Well, it, it, let, listen, this is the bottom line. Four games and six nights. Three games and four four games and six nights, a kind of concentration of games that the Avalanche aren't particularly used to, but they've only played 70 games. They right. have Nobody's uh, gonna feel as sorry many or that. more games left than anybody else. That's still their advantage, that they have two games in hand on Minnesota. They have two games in hand on Dallas, the two teams they're chasing for Central Division. And both supremacy. of those games come up next week. Right. And the, the fourth game in six nights is here against the Wild. On Wednesday. Wednesday. And right? then they get a break. And then and Thursday, they get Friday a little bit of a break Dallas before comes. Dallas comes in for a huge Saturday night game on April Fool's Day. Right. So this will be uh, th- these next three games. I-, I can't. It's hard to basically say you need six points out of them. I I, I think they should get probably six points take, out of them. Probably would take five. But you probably do realistically if, if you get want to make sure you're getting that top seed Arizona six one and three in its last ten. So right, Arizona's been hot. You give me another team in the West other than Minnesota, and I guess the Kings, who are undefeated in their last ten in regulation. That's only lost one game, and I'm looking league wide. Uh, three teams in the West, and I'm looking in the East for a team that's only lost one game in regulation. In the last ten, the Bruins are seven and three. Um, those three teams are the yeah, only they, ones. They've been as hot as anybody. The, the Minnesota six one and three, Arizona six one and three, 
and the Kings 8-0-2. And uh, Vegas has been in first place for about, what, two months? It feels like it. Feels like it's been a while. I mean, look, they but still, the Kings are still, still well. in it. Yeah, the Kings are still in it because they've lost fewer regulation games than Vegas. They're only four points behind. Uh, they played seventy-one games, and Vegas has played seventy-two. So they have a game in hand. They're eight-zero and two, and they certainly over the last ten games would have caught Vegas had Vegas not gone yeah, eight and two eight, in its last yeah, 10. 18 out of a maximum 20 so points in the last 10 games. teams in, in the West, yeah. uh, including all but two of the teams in the Pacific Division. And really, uh, only one team, and that's Chicago, is going bad in the Central right now. Everybody else is at least been decent over the last 10 over games. Over 500, yeah, or yeah. at, yeah, exactly. So, And the Avs, of course, 7-2-1. and one. Uh, lost one the other night, but again, six of uh, the last seven. If they get, <laughs> uh, let's take these four games as a combination of four over the next six days. Okay, eight possible points. If they can get six or seven of those eight, uh, they probably need two against. Two of them Minnesota. has to come up against Minnesota, right? Has to. But if they get six or seven out of the out of the eight, uh, I think they still have a shot at finishing first. Uh, they have a great chance in that scenario, to uh, bypass Minnesota at least for second in the division. Agreed. And Dallas is the tougher catch. But when the Avs play them a week from tomorrow, the Avs will have had two days of rest, and Dallas will have had none. They will be on the second night of a back-to-back. The Stars will, and the Avs will have had two days off, so at least an opportunity there to uh, to at least catch Dallas where you're at your most rested and they are not. So that's looking ahead. They can't afford to do that. They need to worry about Arizona, but we can. Six games left against the Central Division. Six games left against the Pacific. The Avs are 14-5-1 inside their own division this year through 20 games. Uh, you play 26 in your own division. Uh, you play, I believe... In the other division, 24. And I'll stand corrected if I don't have those numbers right. Because you play 32 against the East and 50 against the West. So it's 26 games of divisional play and 24 against the other teams in your conference from the other division. And so the absent at 23-12-3, percentage of 645, done pretty well against the West, which for most of the year has been considerably weaker in the East. But over the last few weeks, it's become more of a matter that the top teams in the East are better than the top teams in the West. But when you get to the middle and lower tiers, there's not much difference. And against the East, the Avs finished this year at 18-11-3, a percentage of 6.09. You'd like to do a little bit better than that. Uh, but they were uh, blanked by the Bruins this year and blanked by New Jersey this year, and they didn't beat Pittsburgh either. So their record against the East, playing a lot of those games earlier in the season when some of those clubs were really going well, it may have been to a sense of you know fairness and uh, games falling where they fall, 
uh, a little more difficult, but I still say at 41-23-6, considering all the injuries, a remarkable season. I, now, I, I think I, I look ahead to the playoffs. I think one point we can make, and Mark Kisler made it the other day in the Denver Post, and I thought he was right, there is much more pressure on Georgiev to perform well, not just hold the line, but to maybe steal a game or two even in a given series. Much more pressure on Georgiev to perform at a higher level than there was on Kemper last year. Certainly, yes. And when you look at the Avs injuries, some of that, of course, plays a role. No one really knows what's going on with uh, Pavel Francouz, though. Uh, he actually did skate uh, today for the first time in just about a week. Now, that's not a long way from coming back, but it's at least trending in the right direction. Uh, Evan Rodriguez been out with that concussion protocol, uh, missed the, the, the game against the Penguins, but presumably won't be too terribly long, hoping there. And then, of course, you have the three longer injuries, you know, Josh Manson. Manson, the hope is still by the end of the month. Uh might be close to a return. They, they'll evaluate him. And right. I would think after the evaluation, if he's cleared, it might take another week or so before he's ready to play. They're certainly not going to rush him. No, no. But you might get him into what would be maybe those last three, four games of the season from, uh, say, April 9th to the 14th. Maybe yeah, window Anaheim, window. Edmonton, kind of your, Winnipeg, uh, Nashville. Sea legs back a little right. bit. Uh, Landeskog and Lekkonen, you're really talking about uh, hopefully with them, both of them by the playoffs, and that may at this stage be optimistic. But I think when we're looking about those remaining guys, Manson and and uh, Rodriguez, we think that'll be Rodriguez should be shorter. Manson should be probably be next. Lekkonen and Landeskog longer. It's Francois that I look at and think that might be the most important person that they have, need to have back as soon as possible, simply because. You're really going to have to ride Georgiev a lot. And I understand when the playoffs begin, that's not uncommon. But there's some important games left. And there are some compressed schedules, as you pointed out. And obviously, Francois is not going to be back enough to help with this four games in six nights. But if they can get him back, the sooner the better. Now, they did get a good performance out of Jonas Johansson, the last goaltender to win a game not named Georgiev in a very long time. But... That, I think, has been hamstringing the Avs a little bit, a lack of depth behind Georgiev. I think on the back-to-backs, Sunday night and Monday night, you've got to play. Johansson, presumably. Johansson on one of those games. I think you do, too. I really do. Especially you're talking about Indit. And they've got three back-to-backs. You know, Anna, so my, my, Anaheim, my calculation, the worst team in the West. Yeah, My calculation is that you split the goaltending duties on the 26th and 27th of March. Uh, then you have an April 8th, April 9th back-to-back at the Kings at Anaheim. Maybe you start your backup in the two Anaheim games. Maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. You split those sure. two. And you've got Winnipeg and at Nashville. If you need the games, if you finish first or second, by winning both, maybe you ride Georgiev on back-to-back nights. But my sense is that of the remaining 12 games, you play Georgiev in nine, and whomever the backup may turn out to be, it looks to be Johansson, uh, would play him in the other three. Two against Anaheim. 
that seems like be a, a pretty good fit for me. And then hopefully they can buy a little more time for him to get back. So we'll find out. The Denver Nuggets will be in action on Saturday against the Milwaukee Bucks. Notable, the Bucks are in action tonight against the Jazz. Will that impact the way the Avs? Pardon me about the Nuggets and the Bucks play. We'll talk about it next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Happy Friday. The Nuggets are off. You are, too. They're back on Saturday against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are in Utah tonight. So, uh, potential load management, perhaps? Probably not. And here's why. Because when you take a look at the Jazz right now, of course, we know that Larry Markinen missed their last game, right? Uh, He's been a little bit uh, beaten up. The expectation tonight is that Markinen will not play. In fact, he's already already out due to that uh, that left hand bruise. But But, they won without him the other night. Yeah, but who guess who else is out? Jordan Clarkson, Rudy Gay, and Colin Sexton. Yikes. I don't think they played the other night either, though. And uh, the Kansas guys who I follow, uh, Azubike and Agbaji had great games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agbaji actually started and was the high point man for the night. And uh, Agbaji came off the bench in back of Kessler, I believe, and actually had a better game than Kessler did. And they played him minutes. Bones Highland got some minutes last night too, by the way. But uh, here's something to consider. Milwaukee and Boston, are essentially neck and neck in the East. Uh, Milwaukee's 52 and 20, Boston's 50 and 23. That looks like a lot, but Milwaukee's had a more favorable home schedule. These two games back to back on the road, they're big games for Milwaukee. Milwaukee mm-hmm. needs to win at least yeah, one of they're them. They're holding off a hard charging so, team. As you were discussing during the break with me, and I'm coming around to your position on this. If you're going to load manage one of the two games, maybe you play it straight tonight and try to catch the Jazz and make sure you win tonight. Right. And tomorrow, it, it's gravy if you win. Yeah. It's not that damaging if you lose. Got a, a text from one of our uh, loyal listeners, Gene. Thanks for following us. Uh, oh, yeah. From wherever we, we've been to where we are. So thanks so much. But And I want to thank Channel 9, too, for... Uh, uh, putting up a nice piece today talking about uh, my return, our yeah. return to the airwaves. Very uh, it's, nice. It's, 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 it's your return. I know. I'm just, I'm along for the ride, but the, 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 the well, I'm the only one coming out of retirement. But the, uh, yes, that's true. That's true. The, uh, the, the, that's, that's where, you know, a genie wrote in and said, look, watch Giannis dip out against the nuggets. And, and that might make sense given the injuries to the jazz and the, and the bucks are dealing with some injury. Jay Crowder's, uh, dealing right. with injury, uh, Goran Dragic is dealing with injury. So, but that that to me makes it more likely 
I'm playing Giannis tonight if yeah. I'm the Bucks to right. make sure I get past a hobbled Utah team, bank that win, and on the second night of a back-to-back where there's more fatigue and then, you know, percentage-wise, likelihood of an injury in Denver at the high altitude. Of course, not that Utah isn't. But, yeah, if, I, if I'm Milwaukee, I play Giannis tonight, cement that win, and skip out against Denver, and, which is we've talked about why this game, to a certain extent, isn't that important for the Nuggets. No. It's more it important for the Bucs, oh, but yeah. at the same time, yeah. you know, you're not going to take a guy who I think, all due respect to Nikola Jokic, is the MVP, and that's Giannis. I'm not going to wear him down if I have to. Instead of a very, very tough game against another title-contending yeah. team, why not rest Giannis in that game? on the second night of a back-to-back because he's carried a big load this season too. Uh, Gina may be onto something. Maybe they don't face Giannis tomorrow. And I've been hearing that uh, Embiid is a little hobbled, well, impy. Embiid, Embiid is like me. At this point, there's always something wrong. It's just how can, how much can you get through it? <laughs> it's the catch. But like, cut it out. What, what have they got? Ten games left, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I'm talking about Philadelphia now, and that's the next game. For the Nuggets right. after Milwaukee, yeah, this is the if, MVP if I have weekend that right. here. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yes, the 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 buck the Bucks played fifty two games actually. The or pardon me, have won fifty two. Uh, Philly won forty nine there, but yes, uh, but they're three games it, apart. They're three games. They apart. played the yep, same Philly number of games. Seven, they, they've played seventy two each. You're not going to play Embiid in all ten of those games. No, no, absolutely not. So could the Nuggets could uh, you dodge get a and break? Both? Because they got Washington. Now, they would have beaten Washington anyway, I'm sure. And they might have been more interested in the first half had Bradley Beal and Kuzma been playing the other night. So they, they got a bit of a break with Beal out and Kuzma out. Uh, the two best players, at, uh, at least two of the three best players Washington has. They may not see Giannis, and they may not see Embiid. I mean, Embiid will have a day off, but it will be the third game in four nights. Because when the Bucks come in, they play tonight at Golden State. They play tomorrow at Phoenix. They get the Sunday off to travel to Denver, and they play Monday in Denver. I, I could see a situation in which they think much the same, like, look, we, we don't want to run him down too much. Now, in Embiid's case, maybe they play him tonight because they didn't play last night. They sit him against Phoenix. Yeah. And then play against I, I, Denver. I kind that's, of that's what think I expect. That might be the case because he'd that's have the what, yeah. day off. He'd actually yeah. have two days, two days off. off. See, a I game think, day and a rest day off and then play him here. I think they're going to get Embiid. But I'm not sure they're going to get Giannis. I don't know that they are. And so that would not hurt. Uh, obviously, it, this it's not as important to the Nuggets who are in very, very good shape. I get it. You know, you look at the number maybe shrinking over over. Uh, Memphis to three and a half, but there yeah, just aren't but that it's, many it's games. It's really a, again, it's a little more. And than Denver that. has the tiebreaker. Yeah, and and remember, Denver also has uh, been on the road, mm-hmm. and so of their remaining games, uh, nine, right? Correct, nine left. Five at home, four on the road, and that's a little more favorable than Memphis's remaining schedule. So, again, down to road, win, home, loss territory. Uh, actually, they're plus 13 and Memphis is plus 9. Sacramento plus 7. No threat to finish first, although Memphis and Sacramento are battling for second, and that's very close. That's two games in the loss column, two games in the plus minus. Uh, and then there's a drop back to plus 3 with Phoenix in fourth. Plus two with the Clippers in fifth. Plus two with Golden State at sixth. 
and then the madness begins because you have Minnesota 37-37, Dallas 36-37, Lakers 36-37, New Orleans 36-37, Oklahoma City 36-37, Utah 35-37, and even Portland at 32-40. and 40 Eight games under 500. They're not dead yet. Has an outside shot. Wow. I mean, they it really is. They probably have to win at least nine of their remaining 10, if not all 10, but they have a chance. And you saw last night, we were talking during the break about this, Minnesota was playing at home against Atlanta. Carl Anthony Towns came back into the lineup last night and hit the two winning free throws. They won by a point, 125-124. Minnesota wins that game, they're sixth. I'm sorry, seventh, seventh in the West, right? Mm-hmm. If they had lost that game, they would have been 12th. Quite a difference, yeah. right? Based it's on amazing. one game that was decided by one point in the final seconds. And, it, you know, it's a huge game for Minnesota. You, you go from being the first of the play-in teams to two spots out of the play-in tournament Entirely based on one game, win or lose. Uh, And, you know, Mark Cuban went crazy the other night and you're thinking, well, why is he going to spend $10,000 protesting a play that happened at the end of the third quarter when they lost by two points at the end and they had the whole fourth quarter uh, to win the game. But Cuban's point is that loss was a killer for us. Now they are eighth right now. But, again, the way it's set up in the play-in tournament, Dallas would have to go to Minnesota. I'm sure Dallas would rather play Minnesota or anybody else on their court. So the difference between 8th and 7th for play-in purposes is the difference between home court advantage and no home court advantage. And right now, the 9 and 10 matchup would be New Orleans at the Lakers rumblings that LeBron will be back in time for the final week of the regular season. And they've done pretty well without LeBron. So if he is added, the Lakers are another one of those teams that I I think from almost anyone's point of view in the West, you you don't want to see him. If if you have LeBron and and Anthony Davis on the floor, you you, you don't want any part of that. No, you don't want any part of that. The, uh, the other news, of course, for Phoenix, we talk about the return of Kevin Durant, Sham Sharani, and I reporting that the expectation is he will be back Wednesday against the Timberwolves, barring any setbacks. So, uh, you know, how does that impact it? As you pointed out, you know, you go all the way from Phoenix at four all the way to 11 out of the playoffs, two and a half games as it stands right now. Uh, there is a need for Phoenix to get Durant back in action. And we'll we'll see how that goes, but at we'll, the we'll moment, see how it goes. Barring those setbacks, that yeah. is the that is the hope for well, the Suns. Again, Phoenix isn't so much going for third or second or well, first or ten games out, ten and a half actually. Right. Um, but they they want to protect fourth, right? But yeah, if he does they come back on Wednesday, fourth. the Nuggets play in Phoenix next Friday. Right. So Durant at the moment, may very well right. be back to that. It could be back. And you know what? As fans, I, I hope he's back as soon as possible. I really do. As a fan. Because I'm curious to see how good 
Phoenix is or isn't with Durant fully integrated into the lineup. And as we discussed, I believe, last week, Durant's one of those guys who's so talented, you just drop him in and he'll adjust immediately and he and Booker will carry the team. It'll take a lot of the load off Chris Paul, who I don't think can be great night in and night out anymore. But if he has some nights in which, uh, listen, uh, Booker and Durant can, he can handle the scoring. He still has assist nights for sure. That's, and and that's he'll come up go. with some assists, but he doesn't have to score. Okay, uh, he can do that. Now, my question to you would be about Golden State. Golden State, by the way, with as many wins as fourth place Phoenix as we speak, they've won a couple of road games lately. Yeah, if they were even serviceable on the road this year, they're the number two seed in the West. Do you start to worry about them a little bit? Not as a first-round opponent necessarily, although it could work out that way, but more likely as a possible second-round opponent. Yes. I mean, I, I think that Golden State is one of the teams that's immensely dangerous if they're mostly healthy. The caveat uh, yes. is, and we don't know exactly why Andrew Wiggins has missed so much time, but my sense of it is that it has little or nothing to do with a physical injury. That appears to be... The case, but he could especially come back the way at any Kerr, time in theory. He could yeah. come back in theory at any time, and if they have Wiggins, that's a team that could be very dangerous in the playoffs. On Wednesday night, following their win over the Mavericks, here's what Coach Steve Kerr said about that. He said, "Well, we love Wiggs. He's a huge part of our team, a great player, but he's a great human being and a great teammate. I love coaching him. So, any one of the times you see your guy struggling, dealing with something, all you can do is support that player, give them space." And that's what we've tried to do. It's not a basketball situation. It's something, it's a, it's a personal situation. And uh, it, it, he even ended that by saying, we want to make sure he's in a good place, taking care of his family. Right. And we'll see how it plays out. So, yeah, I don't believe it's a basketball situation at all. There's no indication, quite frankly, uh, that, that it is. So, you know, we will see. But that also makes me believe that by the time the playoffs roll around, you're going to have Andrew Wiggins good to go. So, yeah, this is a... Again, I would hope so. Uh, yeah. Especially Certainly since a, it isn't a, pers- a physical Yeah, a injury. personal thing, hopefully, that whatever that like is that. comes along and, and it, even it gets John resolved. Moran, and even John Morant coming back into the yeah. lineup uh, for Memphis, uh, good. And I if love he watching needed John to deal with stuff, he apparently yeah. dealt with it. Get your counseling. Um, do what you need to do. I, I, I was not thrilled that his father was interviewed the other day. I mean, I don't blame his father for answering questions that he's asked. But, you know, seemed a little uh, tacky. I, I thought don't, it was don't a little go tacky. After, I agree. Don't go and his father family. has become uh, a figure of some controversy. Probably has not helped John Morant either. Wouldn't think so. How often is it good when an athlete's dad is a big part of their package? Yeah. Uh, trying to think last time it was good. Tiger Woods? Kind of. But even then, there were challenges with that. Sure. Richard Williams? Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, Will Smith's hagiography aside, kind of problematic at times. You know, you want to be able to stand on on your own, but you're right. And and this this league is is better. I mean, what you know, this league is better when you have the stars. Absolutely. And that's what you're looking for. So yeah. And if I'm the Nuggets, quite frankly, 
I want to play Kevin Durant next week. I want to see what that team's look like. You're, you're the, you might face you're the number the one seed. Round. You're planning on going right. through them. I right. want to see what they look like. I want to play them. I want to see what this looks, team looks Absolutely. like with Kevin Durant. Absolutely. So good. You know, bring that on. That's that's the thing. The Nuggets are in a different position. They don't have to be afraid of anybody. No. And again, knock on wood, this has been relatively speaking, a healthy year for the Nuggets. They've been a lot healthier oh, than a good many of the teams around them. Yeah, recent years for them. At least in the Western Conference. And it, it is a strange place for Nuggets fans, I think, to find themselves because the team has never won the the top seed in the West before in the, in the conference. But at the same time, you look at that, oh, well, okay, there's Golden State. Okay, well, there's there's Phoenix. I get all that. You're ahead of all those teams. They, you know, it, it's it's not, uh, you're not locked in with them. They're locked in there with you. <laughs> and that's the approach that the Nuggets yes, have to they're take. They're all trying to improve their position. You don't have to improve your position. You're fine where you've been for 13 weeks. And that's in first place overall in the West. And for, for the Nuggets, we'll find out how they handle that. We'll see if they get a, uh, a, a fully armed in operation in Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow. Regardless, that feels like a game that you'd sure like to see the Nuggets play well. My worry is that they don't play Giannis, and then the Nuggets do sort of their, oh, well, let's not take this as seriously thing. I don't know. I don't know. They got spanked by Milwaukee earlier this year. You know, I, I, the thing I like about the upcoming games, Milwaukee, they were beaten by Philadelphia. They had the game in the bag with a huge lead, blew it. Embiid went crazy, scored 47. They lost that one, too. So these are two teams coming up at home. They've already lost two this year. They have not beaten yet this year. Uh, It's not essential that they win both games, but it would be nice to play well. And if you're fortunate enough to get to the NBA Finals, which would be a first for the Nuggets, then at least you have some recollection of having beaten either one yeah. of these teams. That's They've already point. That's a good split point. two games with Boston, so they know they can beat Boston, at least here, and now they have to prove they can beat Milwaukee and or Philadelphia. That is a really, really good point, Sandy, to get that frame of mind as the Nuggets make a run for what they hope is their first appearance in the NBA Finals. We'll check out the college scene. The University of Denver Hockey Pioneers had their quest for their 10th national championship ended, but the CU women... They keep going. We'll check in on both of them next to Mile High Sports. The rubble of our sins. Oh, oh, where do we begin? The rubble of our sins. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hippie kid. Happy Friday. Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough with you. Congratulations on making it to the weekend. And you get lots of basketball. A little bit of hockey. A little bit less hockey than we had hoped for. We had hoped for more, uh, particularly from the DU Pioneers, but... Uh, Their season ended yesterday afternoon. In fact, it ended while we were on the air. They got down 2 to nothing early in the first period, and that's how the game ended. 2 nothing final. Uh, Both DU and Cornell had five-minute power plays in the second period. Neither one scored. DU went over 
11 minutes, I believe, between shots on goal. Uh, I did not recognize the DU team that was playing yesterday. Krona was terrific between the pipes. Um, you never know with hockey because they don't talk about injuries. Right. You never know. Uh, Cornell was a much better team than the team I saw three weeks ago play in the regular season. Much different, and they deserve to win the game. Uh, their goaltender was excellent, but uh, again, DU went through 10, 11-minute period, I believe, in the second period. Even when they were on the five-minute major, for the first three, three-and-a-half minutes, they didn't have a shot on goal. And it extended a stretch that had been about eight minutes before the penalty when they hadn't had a shot on goal. So it wasn't until the third period that they began to generate some pressure, but uh, Cornell is one of the best teams in the country with a lead, and that was on display uh, yesterday. So uh, DU ends up being shut out in its last 121 minutes and two seconds of competition this year. Not the way they thought they'd go out, if they went out at all. No. Uh, not, not what they had in mind, but uh, the lesson is, uh, especially for those who are on the championship team last year and will be coming back again to play in the 23-24 season, it's really, really hard to win championships. It is. and You uh, have to have a lot go right. Yeah, and think you have to get a little lucky. That's Absolutely. just the reality. People you don't want to hear that. Lucky. Fans uh, don't like to hear it. Players and coaches don't like to hear it, but the more honest ones realize that luck is a component in the winning of a championship. Sure. The wrong injury at the wrong time to the wrong guy. I mean, this is this is just how it goes, unfortunately. But uh, a, a good run, nevertheless. For- Another 30-win season, and that's something to be celebrated. We shouldn't take that for granted. Right. Uh, you're, you're not going to win a championship every year. Uh, there hasn't been, in college hockey, a repeat champion. Since DU did it. Right. Right. In 04 and 05. And that was after Minnesota had won two in a row in 02 and 03. So uh, going back to the 05 06 season, there have never been, and there won't be this year, a repeat champion in college hockey. And that's one of the features of major college hockey that I like the most. Different teams win every year. And uh, this is an ECAC team beating an NCHC team, which hasn't happened often uh, in recent years. In fact, the NCHC has been a little bit like the Big 12 in college basketball with uh, a run of uh, two straight champions in Baylor and Kansas, and probably over the last 10, 12 years, uh, same as the NCHC, the best of the college conferences. But there's sometimes a price to pay when you're in a strong league and you're beating up on one another all year and a team that's a little fresher that maybe is not playing in as strong a league catches fire. And, you know, we we saw Western Michigan go out to BU yesterday. So we, we had a Hockey East team and an ECAC team knocking off a couple of teams that were for much of the year first and second in the NCHC. So uh, competitive parity exists 
in the world of major college hockey. So DU season comes to an end. The University of Colorado women's basketball team, though, does not. They take on uh, Iowa tonight, the number two seed, with a, a tremendous opportunity because if they were to continue to make a run, and by the way, that'll be a 5.30 start on ESPN, not two, not news, not digital, ESPN. And if they were, and I'm definitely not trying to get ahead of things, but the opportunity looms very large because on the other side of the bracket, Old Miss knocked off Stanford. So on the other side of that that same bracket in this in the uh, the, the Seattle group, it's Ole Miss versus Louisville. That's an eight and a five, and that'll be at eight p.m. tonight. The Buffs are up six. This is a six and a two. In other words, either way, if they advance, it'll be a five versus a six or an eight versus a six. There is a real opportunity here. For the Buffs, if they can somehow pull this win off tonight to find themselves in the Final Four, legitimately. So this Where is I a, don't believe they've ever been. Uh, they, they got monumentally to the important game with Sealberry in 02. And, of course, last time they were in Sweet 16 was 03, uh, the following year. Iowa, I don't believe uh, CU has ever been in the Final Four. I was a six-point favorite in this game, but it's worth noting... That, well, they got the great player. That's, yeah. That's the and it's worth noting, by the way, that Duke was seven and a half point favorites. And this is neutral site, not in Cameron. No, it's not in Iowa. This is neutral site. This is up in Seattle. This is a potential for an immense statement for the University of Colorado. And, and, and I mean that whether they win or lose. They're not expected to win this game. Uh, you play a good game. You even if you lose and you, and you you hold your own and, and look good doing it, it's a tremendous opportunity to have this program highly, highly visible. And so that obviously is is pretty exciting. Now, obviously, when you're looking at Iowa, as you pointed out, you're talking about Caitlin Clark. Yes. And Caitlin Clark the is... the female version of Larry Bird. <laughs> That's <You know? laughs> basically about right. And, uh, you know, six feet out of, uh, out of, out of Des Moines, and, uh, yeah, she is uh, an extraordinary player. I'm or maybe sure. like Steph Curry. Maybe that's the more apt contemporary comparison. A little bit. Three-point percentages, uh, you know, absolutely outstanding. When she when she is the home team, now granted, as I pointed out, this is not in, in Iowa. She shoots 41% from three and has averaged 27 points a game in 32 minutes. I mean, it, what a season. On the whole, 26.8. Per game, 7.3 rebounds per game, 8.6 assists per game, one and a half steals per game. You are talking about quite possibly the best player in women's college basketball. If you're the Buffs, is it as simple as sell out to limit Clark and hope that nobody else beat you? Uh, I'm not sure how you limit Clark. <laughs> nobody's so, figured that out. Uh, nobody's yet. figured that out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, she's shooting. She's like Curry. Uh, she shoots from places on the floor that uh, no one. Yeah, you're not even thinking gender of, should yeah, be. You're not even thinking of guarding it. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so I, I, I think you're, you're trying to keep her from involving the other four people in the game and inspiring those people in the way that uh, just don't let her be Mark. Uh, Keith Noel from last night 
playing for Kansas State, Madison Square Garden, mm. scoring 20 points, but dishing off just as importantly for 19 assists, including the key basket of the game, which was an alley-oop while he seemed to be in debate with his head coach as he crossed midcourt and was looking to his sideline. They seemed to have a different conception of what play they should run. And while they're looking at each other, he just, oh, by the way, throws an alley-oop pass to Johnson for a dunk that puts him ahead 94-92, and they win the game 99-95, first overtime game of the tournament. They don't want the Noel effect from last night or the Drew Timmy effect right. last night on UCLA. They don't want that happening with Caitlin Clark. Uh, she can get all the points she wants, uh, and you you limit everybody else, and you try to limit her from getting everybody else involved. Starting in the uh, in the tournament here for the <laughs> for Caitlin Clark, here are her assist totals and point totals in the last three games. 30 and 17, 26 and 12, and 22 and 12. Yikes. So they have their work cut out for them to be sure, but they would like to go and win and move on. If you need a winner and you've been injured, why don't you call our friends at Burnham Law, BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. Their personal attorneys have years of experience fighting for all of their clients and they're easy to get to locations. All over the Front Range, Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, Cheyenne, and right here in the DTC, they will push for you to get your maximum recovery, whether that's by settlement or by trial. They're there to fight for you. So hire a winner. Hire Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com at 720-845-7001. We'll turn our attention to the Denver Nuggets with that big game coming on, and we'll break down a little bit more of them with my life sports own. Ryan Blackburn will do that next on my sport. So please excuse if I come across rude. That's just me. And that's how a play it's got to be. Stay kicking game with a capital G. Ask the people's on my block.